This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Whale Watching, while they watch you just so you see what it's like to be stared at by the ocean. There was me, that is Alex, and my three droogs, that is Pete, Georgie, and Dim. And we sat in the Corova milk bar trying to make up our Razudos what to do with the evening. The Corova milk bar sold milk plus, milk plus Velocet, or Synthamesque, or Drencrum, which is what we were drinking. This would sharpen you up and make you ready for a bit of the old ultraviolence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that's into a bit of the ultraviolence. I'm Zach. And I'm Frank. And today we are here to talk about A Clockwork Orange. Not my favorite Stanley Kubrick film. Mm. But it's up there. <laughs> I guess The Shining would be. Yeah. Uh, like, either that or 2001. Yeah, 2001. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, one of the most controversial films ever made. Yeah. It got pulled by, like, a lot of theaters when it first came out. Yeah. it was The other, uh, maybe, like, it was early in the summer. Um, I went to, they. it was like an auction house, mm-hmm. and they had the original, like, giant posters to 2001 A Space Odyssey and A Clockwork Orange, mm. um, but it was like the French version. And you and were like, I gotta have I this. I was like, I want it so bad. I mean, they were massive. Mm-hmm. Like, they were giant, and they must have been for, they must have been for theaters back in the day. Uh, and they were almost, they were like in mint condition. Like whoever owned these, like really took care of them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it so bad, but they were obviously just like, like over that, like, you know, a couple grand for yeah. them. And I'm like, I'm just not willing to spend that much money on well, it. You have that money to throw away. Yeah, but still <laughs> 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 not willing to throw it on that. Um, so, but it was really cool to like kind of see it and just, and just like look at it through this kind of mirror or window and just be like, wow, like one of the most iconic movies some of some both of them two of the most iconic (laughs) films ever made both by stanley kubrick and and it's just it's just such like a weird moment of just being like wow this guy really made these movies Mm -hmm. and they're real and we can watch them and you can have a discussion about it (laughs) yeah technically an adaptation of a book of a book yeah but i mean still like it is i i think i read something where it's like this is his most like faithful adaptation um because, again, like, he did The Shining, and he really didn't, like, he, he kind of took the base story of that, and yeah. then it was like, ah, fuck it, it's mine. Yeah. Um, and everybody loved it. But, like, this, he actually stayed, like, pretty true to the source material. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, Clockwork Orange came out in 1971, directed by Stanley Kubrick. You have, not, I, I would say, like, very few people that, like, matter matter in this film. Um, but you have, like, a decent amount anyways. You have, like... A great actor at the time, and still now, Malcolm McDonald playing Alex, your your main character. You have Warren Clark, who plays Dim. You have James Marcus, who plays Georgie. Michael Tarn, who plays Pete, and that's like the gang, like the droogs themselves. And then you have Carl During, who plays Dr. Brodsky, who is like the doctor that experiments on him. Uh, Patrick Mage, who plays Mr. Alexander, the guy in the wheelchair. And then I threw in there Adrian Corey, who plays Mrs. Alexander, the girlfriend. From right. the infamous scene that we'll get into. Yeah. And if you don't know what A Clockwork Orange is about, it's kind of, well, IMDb has like a very loose description of it. Uh, in the future, a st- sadistic gang leader is imprisoned and volunteers for conduct aversion experiment, but it doesn't go as planned. 
Dun, 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 dun. Just 2001 <laughs> a Space Odyssey theme. <laughs> Bong, <duh. laughs> so yeah, um, I'll be honest. I've seen this movie like maybe seven times in my lifetime. Uh-huh. Every time that I watch it, I'm always like, when it gets to the point of Alex going through like the the testing and everything like that, and then going back out into the world. It's always like the slowest, most boring part in the movie to me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel like that this time. Like I still felt like relatively captivated. I just didn't realize like every single time that it's like all the stuff that everybody remembers of like the gang and like going out and like committing the crimes and like the whole you know rape scene. Um, it's only like thirty minutes of this two hours and fifteen minute movie. Yeah, most of the film, I think it's because it's so uh, jarring and yeah. so just gritty and dark and whatever that and, and it sticks with you so much that that's what kind of stays with you and that's what you kind of remember the most out of it, even though this movie actually has some really big topics and themes and mm-hmm. w- like what Kubrick is trying to say. Uh, it's definitely, you're right though. I mean, the opening shot alone though oh, is, yeah. is, is really, really cool. And it kind of just prepares you for what is about to go down because you have Alex kind of talking about being ultra violent yeah. and, and that is kind of what they like to do. And <laughs> And then you kind of get this, you know, pushback of where they're sitting at this milk bar. Mm -hmm. And the milk bar is very, uh, I don't even know how to explain. Like, it would basically be if Andy Warhol (laughs) took LSD and was just like, (laughs) let's design a room. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just absolute madness and insanity. And kind of like mixed, like, yeah, it'd be like Andy Warhol and like Salvador Dali kind of like made like a child. And like, yeah, this is what it is. It's absolutely uh, iconic, though. Oh, absolutely! And the set design is just it, it, this movie. Like the the the, the sets and and everything is just so freaking good. Like mm-hmm. the the use of color and and um and how he Kubrick is just the master of taking essentially what would be considered by today's standard like an art house film, mm-hmm. but having the budget and the patience. Yeah, of making it like a blockbuster. Essentially, yeah. yeah. I don't think that, uh, I mean, again, I, I kind of pretty much stand by where I think that Yorgos Lanthimos is essentially like a modern day Kubrick mm-hmm. where he's, they're both just so methodical and so patient and so, uh, story forward mm-hmm. with, with their, with their thing, with their films. And, and they love to just take their time and just let the movie kind of, it's patience. That's, yeah. that's really what it is. And a lot of people don't like that, and I can understand why. I mean, I can understand why somebody would hate this movie. Yeah, I mean, again, like, for me watching it, like, years and years ago, it was kind of boring, like, halfway through it. But it's, like, if you really sit there and, like, take the time to, like, see, like, you know, the development of everything, and, like, something that I absolutely loved, like, watching it this time around was, like, how well, like, the world building is of, like, this dystopian world. Yeah. Where it's, like, you know, you get the milk bar, but then you get, like, the very like fancy like um like record shop 
Yeah. But then you get like the apartment that he lives in, like outside of it is just completely trash. But then right. you go inside of his apartment and it's like, it's gorgeous looking. It's like this 70s style. Yeah. And then it's just him walking through the streets and it's like trashed. Yeah. And it's like seeing like how weird, like some spots are like very prim and proper. And then the rest of the world is like just dystopian era. Kind of like a children of men type situation. Yeah. And I think that he's essentially making a commentary about kind of like the youth versus uh adulthood yeah i guess would be kind of the way i the way i would take away from it because kubrick kind of is because alex and the gang are extremely uh i don't know if i would call them charismatic but they are they are yeah they're characters but they they are extremely um impulsive I guess is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And they will kind of just be like, what are we doing today? And what are we like, what crimes are we going to commit today? Yeah. It's always like the day of it. Yeah. They and, and they're completely just going off of instinct and the adults don't mm-hmm. the adults. Are, I think that that's kind of like the main thing that I took away from the film was this kind of these young guys who are in this hyper violent world. And like, that's them at their peak essentially mm. this is what they do and then once they transition into adulthood that part of them dies yeah and they kind of just become a regular they normal become, citizen again yeah, part of society yeah and and there's that that and i think that kind of is the you know the implication of or i think that that's kind of like represented through the world itself because you have all of these adults the places where the adults live mm. or are mostly known for i.e a business a prison uh, the homes that they live in, those are all very well kept and extremely uh, just high society almost. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the world where things can just happen are destroyed. Like the like the lobby of the like that's kind of the area where society doesn't like isn't allowed to come in come into. Mm-hmm. You know, so Alex and his boys can kind of stay out there in their own little world and destroy and draw penises all over yeah. the art and everything. Meanwhile, once once that door opens and you walk into your parents' house, mm-hmm. it's very different. Yeah, it's becoming like, you know, part of society. Like you have to like abide by the rules. You yeah. have to like do everything accordingly. Yeah. But then at the same point too, you get it where it's like you know, they invade that society portion of it. Like, they go to Mr. Alexander's house. And yeah. Like they they have, like, that very infamous scene of, like, the singing in the rain while, like, you don't see anything, but it is a rape scene. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, like, stealing and everything like that. And then again, too, like, when they go to the other house with, like, the, the girl with, like, all the cats. Right. It's like you're invading their space now. Yeah. And it doesn't always go as planned for them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let's talk about everything. The I guess, score, man, is, is incredible. I love it. It's such like this futuristic, like, like the way that uh, Kubrick used, like, almost like these sounds, very synonymous with um, two thousand one, where it's it's just like noises at times. Um, but it feels so eerie, and at the same time, like so powerful. Yeah, like you feel like especially Alex, like, is just in control when you're hearing the music. Yeah. And then the whole thing of, like, him loving, like, Beethoven um, adds, like, this other layer of, like, you know, he's high class. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like, he feels like he's high class even though he's committing all these crimes. And my God, man, that outfit when he's going through the record store, 
Yeah. That's like, top-notch gear right like there. That? Oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> um, fun fact, too. Did you notice, like, as he's waiting? 2001. Yep. Yeah. 2001 <laughs> record right in front. Yeah. That was super cool. Uh, so, one thing, the, the one thing that I really noticed this time watching the film mm-hmm. was you can really tell that the editing was almost considered first mm-hmm. before even like a f- the first frame of the film was ever shot everything it's very rare i think where you can where editing really really stands out yeah and you know what too he tried to like do it himself for like uh i think like a good portion of it and it took like 3 hours to do like 10 minutes yeah it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. uh and and that's just one thing that I, I, I just I loved was just how, again, like you can tell that there was no wasted scenes. There mm-hmm. was nothing that you can be like, why why is this here? Everything yeah. is so purposefully done and everything is edited so meticulously and so perfectly that you have to kind of just tip your hat to them because you you have to realize that you can tell that like story blocking was done for this. Yeah. They sat down and frame by frame, they really thought about everything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sitting there, I mean, just the moment alone when, when Alex is sitting in his room and he's listening to Beethoven and you keep cutting back to that black and white photo Mm -hmm. of him. And it's like, and it just keeps getting closer and closer. I mean, things like that are so meticulous and so perfectly done that you have to just again. You have to just nod your head to Kubrick and be like, "You're just." He's such a master of of the craft. Yeah, and it's so intimidating to watch. Yeah, like it. It really is something, especially too. Like you were saying, like with that scene where it's like you get like that montage of like Alex as like the vampire almost, and then like all the carnage and the war that's going on. But it's like it's happening with such like a sophisticated song. It's yeah. like you you visually see like this is like what his mindset is like yeah and it's scary to think that there are people out there like that but like it's also really cool to be like this is this is how he thinks and this is like in 15 seconds of a scene you understand like everything about him yeah uh listen (laughs) the movie is so hyper violent and so uh but also like just vibrant in general. Yeah. Um, I love how stylized everything is. The world that he built is so cool. And it's very like sixties disco England. It's so weird. I don't even I don't even know because I don't know England that well. So I can't really speak for it. But I I all I can say is that I love it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live there <laughs> because it's terrifying. Uh-huh. But but it's a cool style. It's so you can it feels so lived in. That's mm-hmm. that's I think one of the main things that that Kubrick is so good at is making a space feel true. And looking at Alex's bedroom or uh looking at even even uh the 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 home of Mr. Alexander. Mm-hmm. Everything just feels so real yet it's like all juxtaposed to this hyper violent world, so it almost feels like a fairy tale, mm-hmm. fake. I don't know. I don't know how to explain how. Cooper I know what you mean because it is weird because it's like you you get the outside view and it's like his house is massive, 
but like you go inside and it's like literally one room <laughs> and then that's it like that's all you see from the entire thing right like, or like, like when, when they go to the cat lady yes and it's two rooms right it's like one giant room and then like the doorway yeah and then just covered in all of this bizarre art i mean everything is so sexual right yes. everything is just so male and female anatomy forward everything yes. is giant penises and boobs and vaginas and that is how these people live they 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 love it yeah and that's like that was a big theme that i took out of this too was like this whole like the whole movie is like besides like you know trying to be like who you are and you can't change yourself but it's like this sexual desires yeah it's like, like the, something that we all have yeah like and it's it's shown throughout like everything like between like the milk bar and like the actual like sped up sex scene and then like um like we said like going to that old lady's house and like he literally kills her with a giant penis statue yeah like it's all just like this hypersexual she's very you know don't touch that yes it's that's that's a really expensive piece of art and it's just I mean, it might be, but it's just a but giant a penis. penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a penis. It's, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just, he, he, he's, a, he's incredible at, at world building and, and, and crafting such mm-hmm. a in, iconic and, and bizarre thing. I will say, though, of course, that uh, I, I can absolutely understand why people would hate this movie. I mean, the topics of this film and the things that are, that are happening in this movie are not exactly easy to watch, especially for a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the rape and the hyperviolence and stuff, things like that. I mean, you can see why, you know, I read a review where a girl literally just wrote, if a guy tells you that this is his favorite movie run. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I understand. I understand that. But from a filmmaking standpoint, mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, like, between the editing and, like, the actual story itself of, like, telling a tale, like, it is very well put together. And again, like, it is from a book. Yeah. But it's, like, to actually adapt this into something, the dialogue alone is, like, very hard to digest. It's so, again, similar to a Yorgos Lanthimos, where it's, Yorgos never goes this far but it's so off-putting and so strange. When you hear it, you kind of have to adjust how you listen. Exactly. And, like, you know, I'd put down, like, this was one of the cons because it's, like, for newer viewers, like, you're not going to understand the dialogue and you're not going to get it and you're going to need subtitles and you're still not going to get it. <laughs> like, nobody really fully understands, like, Yarbles and the old in and out and out. But, like, at the same time, too, it's something that I love about this film because it's, like, you built this world like you have your own dialogue you have your own like style of everything like everything in this world makes sense yeah to them (laughs) yeah to them exactly like and it and it works and i know there was like this whole thing where it's like the the universe like that this takes place in is also the universe of like uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory oh i don't ever i didn't know because like there's there's something where it's the snozberries um in Willy Wonka like that actually is in the book oh, okay. of uh of a clockwork orange gotcha so it's like they take place in the same universe so which i guess sort of makes sense in a way in a weird way cuz well, Charlie yeah, the Chocolate Factory is basically well when they blast off like with the telephone booth afterwards they yeah. end up in this this area oh okay and then the little boy so Charlie grows, grows up. Charlie grows up to, to be, be Alex. To be Alex, <laughs> right? Yeah. He finds Willy his, Wonka really fucked him up. He finds his real parents, <laughs> and then realizes that his name is Alex. Uh, yeah. And then torn from the trauma, 
starts a gang. Right. It all makes sense now. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so you let's like talk about the plot because mm. the plot is thick. Yeah. Uh, you have Alex, a gang leader, who essentially, long story short, they're committing all these crimes and he ends up getting betrayed by his own gang and gets caught by the police and then they bring him to jail. Yeah. Uh, and he ends up going through a pretty much like a big transformation in the prison. Now, whether or not you want to say that it, it is genuine or not, if he's just trying to basically keep his head low so so he doesn't get into any like bullshit in prison, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say that. I, I almost feel like there is a genuineness about it because I feel like the type of character that, you're, that Alex has led to believe this entire film... When he goes into jail, I almost feel like he would be like a gang leader in this jail. Like he he has that he has that charisma and he mm-hmm. has that psychoticness about him that if he went into prison and he wanted to, I think that he could essentially like get these prisoners on his side and they could just cause havoc in the prison. Oh, absolutely. Like I really think that like he like when he went into prison like he was well off he wasn't like you know like a prison bitch or anything like that like he literally was okay making ends meet in there and like you can see too because it's like the way that like he even talked to the priest it's like he's in control of this entire conversation like when when like he's talking to him about like you know the whole like aversion program of like getting you out like very very quickly um, and he's like, well, haven't I been good? Like, haven't I been doing everything like step by step? But meanwhile, two minutes before you have him literally thinking about the Bible, but only about like the violent scenes. Right. Yeah. So it's like, he's still thinking that way. Yeah. He's, he's a 17 year old who has everything under control and knows that it's going his way. Like even too, like when the doctor comes out afterwards and it's like. He literally says, like, one thing to get him to notice him. Yeah. Because otherwise they were just going to walk by. Right. And he's it's smart. like, yeah, he, he's smart. He knows yeah. exactly what he's doing. Yeah. But, yeah, you're, you're right about that that Bible, that biblical scene. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite things in, in the movie is just him because it, it kind of comes back at the end. Yeah. And him reading the Bible, which is supposed to be this obviously religious experience, but the only thing that he's really truly taking away from it and the only thing that's keeping him going are the the violence and the sex yes and and he's imagining himself doing it it's such a he's such a psycho oh yeah absolutely (laughs) uh so he ends up um kind of volunteering to do this thing they pick him and and it's an experimental treatment in which he is forced to watch basically his own crimes yeah essentially movies that 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 depict very extreme violent things i.e rape and murder and uh, attacking people and things like that. Uh, he's forced to watch them while getting fed this medicine in, through his eyeballs, which basically kind of force him to get nauseous. Oh no! Um, no. Oh, I get no right. The the shot is what's giving it to yeah. him. The eye that's just to keep his eyes moist. Which I guess. they actually had like a real doctor there, like doing that to make sure that his eyes don't dry like, out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and. It basically causes him to get nauseous when he thinks of violence or when when he wants to commit a violent act, mm-hmm. um, and it also affects sexually him. It affects him. He doesn't. He can no longer basically have sex. When one of the most iconic scenes in this movie is when they do the performance on stage to showcase mm-hmm. if it worked or not. Yeah. Uh, and he's like almost about to throw up. Yeah. 
and uh, you know he's getting like forced to get it to, to lick the guy's boot, and yeah. then the girl comes out with her with her shirt off, and and it's just it's so beautifully shot, and and she looks like a fucking angel, and like it's just it's just yeah. so it's so incredible. and she does like the whole curtsy at the end yeah. too, like she feels like this is a performance. It is that's what that's what it is, uh, and then he goes back home. And he gets he gets released out of prison, and his parents are renting out his room to a civilized man mm-hmm. who who has kind of uptaken the role of a son, right? And is better than him, yes, in pretty much every way, at least through his parents' eyes, mm-hmm. right? He's he's, got, he's probably working, he's got a good job. You know, obviously, don't get too much about this guy, but he seems like a just a regular, normal person. Uh, nothing, nothing too. Uh, too weird about him. Yeah, he's just a regular dude. Um, and then, of course... The... Probably collects stamps, though. <laughs> he's probably a stamp yeah, guy. A stamp collector. Uh, yeah, so Alex gets kicked out. And then one of the best scenes, in my opinion, again, there's so many, is when he gets attacked by the homeless guy that, yep. that he attacks in the beginning of the film. And, and then George and Dim come... And who are now, now police officers. Which is such like an ironic scene. Like one from being beat up by all the homeless men that he beat up in the beginning. And now two of Dim and Georgie being cops, which were literally the opposite of like what they were doing beforehand. Right. I mean, obviously, they're probably like bad cops. They're probably like shitheads that are like taking shit on the side. But there's still law enforcement at this point. Yeah. They... Like they, they realize that like, you know, as they got older, that... They they can get more done being on the lawful side, air quotes. Like they can get away with more than doing the crime. Potentially, see, I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with that. I actually think that that that's just a representation that he went away to jail and the and the group <clears throat> kind of dismantled and they kind of chose to go the they they became that that was them going into adulthood mm-hmm. and seeing Alex kind of brought it out of them that we need to like torture this guy and, and beat the crap out of him for essentially curating such a horrible and um, m- terrible uh, teenage years. So I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I, that's what I took away from it. I took, I took I, away that, that they are now part of society and they are now that, that part of them is gone. I yet mm-hmm. seeing Alex brings it back out of them. I can see how you like it. Because you don't, you only get like really like that one scene. Yeah, you don't but, get much with them, so you don't know. But I mean, I don't know. Like to me, it was kind of like, like the way that Dim acted proved that, like you know, they're still the same people. They are. At, at, when it comes down to it, they are. But I think, especially when Dim says that, "Don't call me, don't call me Dim anymore. My, yeah. That's not my name." I think that that there's some type of them attempting to be part of society. Mm-hmm. You know. And Alex not being there anymore to, to kind of hold their hand and pull them away from that, it, it, it they eventually just kind of gave in. Mm-hmm. That's what I took away from it. Could be wrong. Doesn't matter. Mm. It's just yeah. It, it's It's just, again, like this ironic stage because it's like everything is coming back to Alex. Like yeah. everything that he's ever done is kind of being put full force. And then that leads to, to where it's like in the rain, he's walking and then he stumbles upon Mr. Alexander's house again. Yeah. And this time, the wife is no longer there because she died probably from, like... She committed suicide. Yeah, mental abuse from, like, what happened. Yeah. Um, And now you have this jacked man that's just, like, working with him. Julian. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. He's a, 
he's a real stand-up. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like stumbling upon that, and then it's like, it was a really odd scene. I'll be honest. Um, like every single time that I watch it, I get like something different out of it. But it's like, it seems like Mr. Alexander doesn't realize at first that it is him, and he then and then he wants to like use him as like a ploy to kind of like bring down like government control a little bit yeah but then realizes that it is him because stupidly singing yeah. and he says it too like alex is like oh yeah like you know i wore my masky wasky back then so it's like they wouldn't have noticed me but then why would you fucking sing the song that you were singing that night yeah unless it's been like oh because it's two years you don't remember that you sang the song but still right. um and then he has, like, the craziest, like, fucking I'm shitting myself face for the rest of the time that we see him. Um, but he does kind of lure him in where it's like, okay, change of plans now. We're not going to use you. I'm just going to get revenge. Yeah. And he finds out the information about, like, the music of Beethoven that really drove him right. over the edge. Yeah. Um, and Alex tries to kill himself by jumping yeah. out the window. And uh, and he, he, he ends up not being successful, ends up back in the hospital. But the damage that he must have done to his brain cured him of what ha- like what they had done. Right. Like and he's with now the back to his old self again. And he's playing it off real well. Yeah. Because, again, he's being like, oh, you know, like, I'm helpless. Like, you know, I just want to be a good kid and, like, go to, like, I want to get a job now and I want to I be a part of society. But then it's like deep down like he's still got like those thoughts of like oh what am i gonna do next yeah because now he has all this power because the company is like hey we fucked up technically kind of abusive how we did this to you yeah um so let's let's settle this out let's not take this to court let's give you like money and a job and like make sure you're secure for the rest of your life so you don't say anything right but then it's like again this is exactly what he needs (laughs) in order to kind of be himself again (laughs) And now it's probably going to be where it's like he's going to go out there and get revenge or like get a new gang. Um, Because I would imagine he's not, he doesn't trust Dim and Georgie anymore. Probably Pete. Pete kind of just fucked off. We don't know where he went to. (laughs) Yeah, he was kind of like the most, he's the one that when when they, uh, when whoever it was decided that like he was going to try to um, come up with what they were going to do for that day and yeah. then Alex ends up hitting him in the nuts yeah. and attacking them. He, he just kind of ran He's off. the one that just like kind of goes off to the side like I'm not dealing with this shit. He's just kind of there. Yeah. He kind of makes it feel like he's the guy who he's kind of there by circumstance you know it's like oh whatever like i i know the we grew up together and now this is my gang but i don't really like the activities that we do because yeah. you never really see pete do anything like too crazy he's or literally talk, just really yeah he's just kind of there um the movie is incredible the movie is absolutely a cinematic masterpiece mm. with some very questionable uh topics yeah that and things that you might not be comfortable with i mean i sit there and i watch the 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 first rape scene of the other gang when mm. they're attacking that woman oh, on yeah, that yeah. stage it's rough and and then uh these alex and his gang come in and then they have this brawl mm. with this other gang and it felt very uh uh what the hell's the name of that movie uh I can't think of it. The one where the oh the warriors. Oh it yeah. It felt yeah. very like the warriors, where it's two gangs and like in very elaborate costumes, mm-hmm. just trying to attack each other. Uh, and but I mean, you look at like these set designs, and you look at you look at how Kubrick frames these shots, and 
and and how he just takes his time with everything and you can't say that it's a bad movie mm. that's something that you can't say you can't say that it that it was made poorly or anything like that it might not be enjoyable to watch for you but i don't think that you can make the argument mm. that it's not well made no absolutely not it is it is probably that movie that's like it's so well known it'll it'll live in infamy for like ever just because yeah, of like it's it's a movie that absolutely lives up to the expectation like it's a movie that you've probably heard so much about if you've never actually sat down and watched it mm-hmm. and i don't think that it disappoints no nine yarbles out I, of ten yeah it's a nine out of ten for mm-hmm. me it's 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 a cinematic uh it's it's just kubrick doing what kubrick does best he's one of the best if not the best you know director who, who's made american american films yeah and I think that it's so heady. It's so thematic. I mean, we didn't really talk too, too much about like the themes. I mean, again, I kind of spoke about, I think he's trying to say something about the youth versus adulthood. Mm -hmm. Obviously he's trying to say something about science and government, not being able to control like free will that and like, you can't change what you are. Um, There's a big religious undertone to it too, uh, that they like touch on throughout the film. And then like, what is deemed unconstitutional slash like immoral in the world. Right. Like they, it plays like a huge part in the film. Yeah. I think that Kubrick is just, he's insane. He's, he, uh, his movies are, are bizarre. I like the idea though, that there isn't really any gray area with this movie when it comes to, when it comes to the idea of like right versus wrong or you know, you can sort of understand why somebody is doing what they do. It's yeah. absolutely black and white. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of rare in a movie. I feel like a lot of films, they try to be, live in that gray area because yeah. th- th- that's where like the nuances of things are. And this movie, while very, st- while still very nuanced, it's very hard black and white. Oh yeah. Like you understand that like if you're the gang member, you're the bad guy. If you're like the citizen, then you're the good guy. Yeah. And then of course, if you know, there shouldn't be like, he's basically saying like, you should not, the government should not be allowed to inter intervene with anything that you're doing. Like the whole thing about free will. And that's what kind of makes us human beings. And that's what, cause I mean, the priest is essentially like the guy who, who is, who is like us. Yeah, and he's like, you can't do this. Like, mm-hmm. you, like this is this is immoral. Mm-mm. You can't just take somebody and and do this type of experimental treatment on them, uh, without any kind of repercussions. Yeah, because it's like you take the soul out of them, basically. Yeah, I almost almost feel like I would love to see the last. 15 minutes of it like i feel like if it extended another 15 minutes and we got to see alex lose his fucking mind oh yeah like like maybe like a cutaway of like a year from now and like he's actually like fully better and like seeing what he's doing yeah i would love to see it Mm -hmm. i would love to see what what he's doing because you know it's not good but it would be so entertaining to watch yeah i mean but you kind of got that too with like you know beethoven playing and like he's like uh like rolling around in the snow naked while everybody's watching and it's like you kind of get the idea that like okay like he's back to normal but it would have been cool to like even add in of like him like slashing somebody or like yeah anything or like, like that. what about the idea of him maybe maybe it would have been like too 
conventional, but like the whole the whole idea of potentially him exacting revenge out on yes. the people that did this to him, mm-hmm. or going back to that house again with uh, yeah. Mr. Alexander mm-hmm. and Julian and or whatever well, it may they, be. It was kind of like weird too because it's like they just mentioned like oh he got locked up right he's so in, it's like he's you in don't jail yeah you didn't get like that kind of satisfaction from it yeah but even too like what if it bring it back from the very first shot like how like you started out with Alex and you pulled out like go from far away and pull it back into him just staring at you yeah like that would be cool that would be yeah that would be a good that would be a good ending I mean I'm not <clears throat> listen it's so easy and whatever for us to sit yeah. on, like on this fucking couch and just be like, oh, he could have done this. He could have yeah. done this. I mean, it, it, you're not when you're not making a movie or writing a movie. Like, it's so easy to just fucking yell out things. Um, but I, it's still just so iconic. The movie is so so iconic, and we should do. We should dress up as them as for Halloween. <laughs> we'll get two other people and just be the gang. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's a great. It's a great film. Uh, Kubrick is a master, and there's nobody else like him. Damn right. I have a recommendation. Another Netflix series. <laughs> this one I actually finished because, again, we were off for a week. Um, my God, man. I don't know if you've seen anything or, like, heard anything, but Sandman, it's it was actually – it was really, really cool. Um, I'll be completely honest. So, I don't – I'm a big comic book nerd. I don't know a lot about Sandman, to be honest. Um, and maybe that's why I liked it so much because, like, I didn't go in being like, oh, well, this wasn't like the comic or this wasn't like the comic – but the big thing that I really, really liked was that Neil Gaiman was, like, in every single thing about this. Like, he made sure, like, he was a part of everything. And he was the man who created right. the Sandman comic. Um, it, it, it just is, like, it's so dark and eerie. And to, like, see, like, the idea of Sandman come to life and, like, being such a badass thing of being, like... Uh, he is the dreaming, he is the lord of dreams, like a really, really cool thing. Um, a lot of the cinematography is actually really good for a Netflix show. I was actually really surprised, like the acting and everything. It was like the closest thing that I could think of to where it's like, oh, how we did like Midnight Mass for an episode, right. like to do Sandman for an episode. Mm. Um, is it a limited series? Is it like it, one it, season, one and done? Or Yeah, is it- well, I... It seems like they're going to make a season two. I don't really think I need it. But, like, I mean, even, like, to do, like, the first five episodes alone, like, beautiful story. Loved yeah. everything about it. Um, And then, like, it felt like six through ten was almost, like, a second season. Oh, okay. Um, the only complaint I have about it is that Patton Oswald is a raven. I don't know what that means. Like a bird, like yeah, he's like the, the bird, the, okay. like yeah, he's just a bird, and then it's just Patton Oswalt's voice, okay, and it's like that's weird, <laughs> but like everything else, I thought was like super super cool about it. <laughs> um, very very dark, very eerie, very different from like a DC standpoint. Mm. Um, so I just really enjoyed it. Cool. All right. Uh, next episode, we are going to be talking about some of our favorite opening scenes of all time. Time. Uh. Time. time. Zach, Zach. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite opening scenes in movies. Uh, Sandman, A Clockwork Orange, Zach, Frank. Mm-mm, that's you. Out. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Now, Frank, violence makes violence. <laughs>